What's up, world? I'm Cameron McKinney, and this is Pop Culture Spotlight, a podcast about the movies Palmer and Judas and the Black Messiah. But first, let's talk about the movie Palmer. Here's a quick synopsis. After serving a 12-year prison sentence, former high school football star Eddie Palmer moves in with his grandmother and forms an unlikely bond with Sam, the boy who lives next door. I had heard a lot of good things about this movie. I heard Justin Timberlake gives one of his best performances ever in his career, and he won. 100% does. I always thought Justin Timberlake could be a movie star. Not only is he one of the best musicians of the world, but I always thought he had that potential to be a movie star. From the time I saw him in the movie The Social Network, you know that little film that was directed by David Fincher where Jesse Eisenberg was nominated for an Oscar? I thought Timberlake was one of the standouts from that film. I think arguably he gives the second best performance in in that movie. But since The Social Network, Timberlake's acting career has been a bit of a mixed bag, appearing in movies like Yogi Bear, Bad Teacher, Friends with Benefits, Trouble with the Curve, and Inside Lewin Davis. He hasn't been consistent. I mean, a few of those movies are good. Bad Teacher is really funny. Yogi Bear was a disappointment to say the least. Friends with Benefits and Trouble with the Curve have their moments, but they're extremely flawed movies. The best movie he's been in since The Social Network has been inside Lewin Davis where he has a smaller role alongside Oscar Isaac and Carrie Mulligan. I mean, it's not that crazy to think that the two best movies Justin Timberlake has been in has been directed by David Fincher and the Coen brothers. Obviously, those are going to be really good, critically acclaimed films, but his other filmography has been kind of a mess. It hasn't been there. He shows sparks at times, but he hasn't been consistently great in movies. And in this film, Palmer, he proves he can carry a movie. He is the lead of this movie. There's no Andrew Garfield. There's no Jesse Eisenberg. There's no Carrie Mulligan. There's no Oscar Isaac. There's no great directors directing this film. There's no Fincher. There's no the Coen brothers. This film was all in the hands of Justin Timberlake, and he makes this movie work. It is an unbelievably good performance by Timberlake. He carries this film. I now believe that Justin Justin Timberlake is not only a movie star, but he's a pretty good actor. This is how I know that Justin Timberlake is becoming a movie star, because from beginning to end, he's playing a character he's nothing like, yet he still remained the charismatic Justin Timberlake that most of us have grown up with. And that's what being a movie star is all about. It's not about giving performances and getting lost. We're not asking Justin Timberlake to be Daniel Day-Lewis. We don't want to lose what Justin Timberlake brings to the table and that's charisma and he brings it to this movie in bunches. He's playing a character but at the end of the day you still know that that's Justin Timberlake on screen and he's giving a really good solid performance. That's what being a movie star is and that's what Justin Timberlake does in this movie and while he's not a great actor like Christian Bale or Daniel Day-Lewis or Denzel Washington or Joaquin Phoenix I think Justin Timberlake really is a good actor and he proves it in this movie. Ryder Allen who plays Sam and Alicia Wainwright are both phenomenal in this movie and both have unreal chemistry with Justin Timberlake. Those three performances are why this movie worked. I think on paper this movie shouldn't be very good. It has like this corny premise about how a child can change the mindset of an adult and yes, on paper that seems really boring, but these three performances make this movie work. They have chemistry. You want to see them on screen together, so you let 
some of that other stuff go and you get lost in the plot of the movie. There was one performance in this movie that I didn't care for and that came from Juno Temple who's a really good actress. Her character was way too over the top. I know she's playing a drug addict and that can be hard to do but she was trying to be like Amy Ryan and Gone Baby Gone but it just didn't work in this movie and I understand that that can be a really hard role to pull off but she felt like she was in a completely different movie than what Justin Timberlake was in. Her character did not work with this film at all and it's probably the biggest weakness of the movie. And that's why Amy Ryan and Gone Baby Gone is so impressive because she carried that film. She was nominated for an Oscar for that performance. That role can be really hard to do because to play a drug addict, sometimes a lot of actors go in over the top. That's what Juno Temple was in Palmer. She was a bit too over the top. I don't blame her, of course. I just think her character didn't work in this movie at all. The movie Palmer has a lot of similarities between the movie The Way Back. Not only are both films about troubled characters, but both films star actors that have had up and down careers, and both Justin Timberlake and Ben Affleck in those films are trying to prove they are still viable movie stars. I mean, Justin Timberlake has starred in great films like The Social Network and Inside Lewin Davis. Ben Affleck has been the star of so many good films. Goodwill Hunting, The Town, Argo, but both of them have been in a lot of flops recently, and there have been doubts whether or not they are still movie stars. I think both of these films prove that Justin Timberlake and Ben Affleck are still viable movie stars and are capable of being leading men. And unlike Affleck, this really is the first time Justin Timberlake is the lead of a really good movie. I mean, there's no other movie star in this film. In other films, he's had co-stars like Mila Kunis. He has not really been asked to be the sole lead of a film. He is the only well-known name in this movie, and he 100% pulls it off. I definitely recommend you check out Palmer. Now let's switch gears and talk about the movie Judas and the Black Messiah. Here's a quick synopsis. In order to avoid prison, small-time car thief William O'Neill made a deal with the FBI to infiltrate the Black Panthers and become close with Fred Hampton, the chairman of the Illinois chapter. There has been a lot of hype about this film, and most of that has to do with the fact that it is the only big movie in town right now. It was highly anticipated, and for the most part, it lived up to that anticipation. And the biggest reason why is the two stars of the film, Lakeith Stanfield and Daniel Kaluuya. They have become the two most versatile actors in Hollywood, playing a range of diverse characters. Stanfield in Short Term 12, Sorry to Bother You, Knives Out, and Uncut Gems. Kaluuya in Sicario, Get Out, Black Panther, Widows, and Queen of Slim. When you watch these two performers act, they are like chameleons. They don't give similar performances in any of their films. Most movie stars have a pattern, like Vince Vaughn. When you see Vince Vaughn in a movie, he's usually going to do his Vince Vaughn thing. No, Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield don't have a thing, and that's why they're so extraordinary. And they've already worked with master filmmakers. Both of them have already worked with Jordan Peele. Stanfield has worked with Ryan Johnson, the Safdie brothers. Kaluuya has worked with De 
Denis Villeneuve. He's worked with Ryan Coogler. He's worked with Steve McQueen. I mean, both of these actors are on the top of their game because not only are they great actors, but they are working with the best filmmakers of this era. In this movie, Lakeith plays William O'Neill, a conflicted person who only cares about his own self-interest and doesn't understand what's happening around him. He constantly ignores the bigger picture for him. It's all about the here and now. And Kaluuya as Fred Hampton is the exact opposite. He's all about the bigger picture and consumed with making a lasting impact on the culture and society as a whole. Daniel will likely receive his second Oscar nomination and possibly win. He was previously nominated for Get Out. That was his breakout performance. I think Lakeith Stanfield should be nominated as well for lead, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think Kaluuya is going to win the Oscar for this performance. Not a lot of people know the story of Fred Hampton, and this movie is going to give them insight, and it's also a very entertaining performance. He definitely deserves an Oscar win. I mean, his main competitor is going to be Sasha Baron Cohen from The Trial of the Chicago 7, and I don't see that performance winning Cohen the Oscar. I think the Oscar is going to go to Daniel Kaluuya. He's been an actor on the rise, and it feels like now's the time to reward him with an Oscar. He's been so good in films like Get Out. It's time for Daniel Kaluuya to get that Oscar win. Jesse Plemons and Dominique Fishback are terrific in supporting roles in this film. Plemons as an FBI agent who somewhat knows what he's doing is wrong, and Fishback as Hampton's partner, whom he fathers a child with. I think these performances should get Oscar nominations for their supporting performance. Plemons is so good in his scenes with Lakeith Stanfield. He's kind of like this sinister FBI agent who thinks he's on the right side of history, but deep down knows he's on the wrong one. And Dominique Fishback is a revelation. I've never seen her in anything before. It's a really great performance, and she has insane amounts of chemistry with Daniel Kaluuya. Shaka King, the director and co-writer of this movie, was tasked with a really hard job of trying to convey who Fred Hampton was and make an entertaining film. And he did both things brilliantly and deserves an Oscar nomination for Best Director because I think it's really hard to make a movie like this. And it reminds me of One Night in Miami, a film I recently talked about. That film does not tell you the entire life of Malcolm X, but it shows a moment of time of who Malcolm X is as a person. And that's what this movie does for Fred Hampton and William O'Neill. It doesn't tell the story of how both of these people got there, but it gives you a glimpse of who these people are and what they believe in. There have been a lot of movies recently about this time period in America and the mistreatment of African Americans in the 1960s. You had the movie Seaburg, The Trial of Chicago 7, One Night in Miami, and now Judas and the Black Messiah. It's interesting to watch these movies and see how much has changed, but the tragedy of them is a lot of things are very similar even 50 years later. And a lot of these movies, the villains are the FBI. In Seaburg, the villain is the FBI. In Judas and the Black Messiah, the enemy is the FBI. In One Night in Miami, Malcolm X is scared about the FBI. It's so interesting to see these movies portray the FBI, something that we think of as a safe institution that mostly plays the heroes in movies being portrayed as the villains. I mean, Martin Sheen plays J. Edgar Hoover as an insane over-the-top 
bigot in this film, and he's so over the top. The makeup is insane. It doesn't look like Martin Sheen at all. It's a pretty good performance, but it's so over the top sinister. What I love about these recent films is that we are learning about people that a lot of us had no idea about. Abby Hoffman in Trial of the Chicago 7, Malcolm X in One Night in Miami. I didn't really know all that much about Malcolm X. I recently rewatched the Denzel film to get more on him. Then you have Fred Hampton in Judas and the Black Messiah, and you have Bobby Seale in The Trial of the Chicago 7. When you watch these films, it makes you want to learn more about these people. Hakeem Jamal and Seberg. I mean, I had no idea who that was, and then I saw that movie and was interested to learn more about that person. That's the importance of these movies, because we live in this time where we think none of the stuff that's happening now has ever happened before, and then you look in the 1960s and you're like, no, a lot of these same issues were already there. We just always like to believe that what's happening now is the only thing that's ever happened, and that's why these movies are not only entertaining, but also really important, and they've given so many great performances in these films. I mean, Sasha Baron Cohen in Trial of the Chicago 7, that's a phenomenal performance. Anthony Mackie and Seberg, that's a great performance. Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield and Judas and the Black Messiah, that's an insane performance. Kingsley Benadir and Leslie Odom Jr. in One Night in Miami, that's a phenomenal performance. A lot of these films are not only being historically accurate, but they're giving you some of the best acting performances of this year. Yahya Abdul-Mateen and Eddie Redmayne in The Trials of Chicago 7. Those are two great performances. These films, you not only get to learn about these historical figures, but great actors are portraying them and giving some of the best performances of their career. And a lot of the performances I just mentioned will probably be nominated for the Oscars. I was thinking about this when I was watching Judas and the Black Messiah, and I know it's informative and it's a story I've never heard before, but what is the thing about this movie that makes it entertaining? And then I thought to myself, it's because it's a movie about betrayal, and that's a topic that's endlessly fascinating and makes for a great film, and we've gotten some recent great movies about the thought of betrayal. Just look at the assassination of Jesse James from the coward Robert Ford. That's a movie where Casey Affleck's character betrays Jesse James, this historical figure who he's gotten close with. That movie, you know throughout the entire film that Jesse James is about to be betrayed by Robert Ford, yet you are endlessly fascinated by when it's going to happen. It keeps you on your toes, it keeps you excited, and the movie is electric. That is one of the best films of all time because you get that dynamic of betrayal. It's felt throughout the entire film, and you get some great performances from Affleck, Brad Pitt, Sam Rockwell, Jeremy Renner. Then in Martin Scorsese's The Irishman, you have Frank Sheehan betraying Jimmy Hoffa. That whole movie is over three hours, but because you know that betrayal is going to happen, you're super excited to see when it's going to happen, because those two sides, the Robert De Niro character is conflicted because he loves the Joe Pesci character, and he loves Al Pacino's Jimmy Hoffa, but he chooses a side, and once he chooses that side, that movie becomes electric as well. That idea of betrayal is so cinematic. There's nothing bigger than that idea in a movie, betrayal. It can carry an entire film, no matter how long it is, no matter which character is betraying who, no matter if it's a real person or not. Betrayal is such an interesting idea for a movie, and usually the movie will never go wrong. 
wrong. And you get that same thing in Judas and the Black Messiah. Lakeith Stanfield's William O'Neill gets so close to Fred Hampton, played by Kaluuya. He gives him rides. He becomes a part of the movement. You feel that he's starting to believe in it a bit, but yet you know betrayal is on the way, and it keeps you captivated throughout an over-two-hour film. And you can see that Lakeith Stanfield really doesn't want to betray, and that's another thing about these three films, is once the betrayal happens, all three of those characters regret it almost immediately. Robert Ford, at the end of The Assassin's of Jesse James regrets it and he's now infamous for killing Jesse James. William O'Neill regrets working with the FBI to get rid of Fred Hampton. You can see the regret in his face immediately when it happens and the same thing with Frank Sheehan in The Irishman. He immediately regrets getting rid of Jimmy Hoffa. That's why the idea of betrayal is so fascinating because most of the time the person that betrays the other one regrets it almost immediately. It's why it's so cinematic. It feels why it's so big. These characters in these films get to a point where they trust the other person so much. Jesse James makes Robert Ford part of his group. He trusts him more than anyone else in that group. And in The Irishman, Jimmy Hoffa loves Frank. He gives him jobs. He's his number one guy. And in Judas and the Black Messiah, the betrayal is so devastating because Lakeith Stanfield's character, William O'Neill, is the one who helped rebuild the Black Panther's office once the cops burned it down. He was becoming an integral member of the group, and that's why that betrayal feels so hard once it happens. And a lot of that has to do with the performances, why you believe in these betrayals, because these characters have become so close. The performances and the idea of betrayal is what carries these free films, and it's why they're not only interesting and about real-life people, but they feel cinematic and anybody can watch these movies because it's so easy to understand the idea of betrayal. We've all been betrayed one way or another in real life. So that idea of betrayal is universal and anybody can watch a movie. I wouldn't say to anyone, this movie isn't for you because it has an idea that's so big and so universal that anyone can understand it. And that's what's special about Judas and the Black Messiah. Not only the great performances from Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield, Dominique Fishback, and Jesse Plemons, but this universal idea that makes this movie about this guy that not a lot of people know about really resonate. I hope Judas and the Black Messiah gets a Best Acting nomination, Best Supporting Actor nomination, Best Director nomination, and a Best Picture nomination, because it is one of the best films that's contending for an Oscar, and it is the best film of 2021 so far. I mean, all-time great performances from Lakeith Stanfield and Daniel Kaluuya carry this film, but it's that idea of betrayal that makes this film universal and can resonate with every single person that's watching it. It's a movie about the Black Panthers, a group that not a lot of people are historically know about, but that's okay because you will understand the film no matter what because the idea of betrayal is universal. I definitely recommend you 
you watch Judas and the Black Messiah, you won't regret it. It is one of the best films to contend for an Oscar. And like I said, it's the best film of 2021 so far. Thanks for listening to this edition of Pop Culture Spotlight. I'm Cameron McKinney. There'll be a new episode of the podcast every Thursday on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. And this week, I put the spotlight on the movies Palmer and Judas and the Black Messiah. Next week, I'm putting the spotlight on the career of actor Nicholas Holt and the movie Nomadland, directed by Chloe Zhao and starring Francis McDormand. So tune into that and please rate, review, and subscribe. Subscribe.